0: Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us this morning on our online service. I'm going to be doing a a study about the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. So if you can get your Bibles together and uh, get ready, I I pray that you'll be blessed. And um, here we go. So if you can join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord Jesus, to thank you so much for your grace and love and mercies. Lord, we pray for each person that's out there. Lord, we pray, Father, for those who are having difficulties financially, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, Lord. We pray this morning that this study would touch their hearts. And, Lord, that you would draw us closer to you every single day. So we praise you and we give you the glory and the honor. And we ask you, Father, to to really touch our hearts today. This morning we love you and we praise you give you all the glory in Jesus name and everybody says amen. All right. So if you have your Bible with you uh, we can turn to the gospel of Luke chapter 18 verses 1 through 8 in Matthew 21 Jesus blew the minds of the disciples when he spoke to the fig tree and it withered away. Even though it was an incredible miracle that the fig tree withered after Jesus cursed it, the even bigger miracle was that Jesus himself demonstrated the power that lives within him. The power that lives within him also lives within you and lives within me. Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing You will receive. Some of you this morning are experiencing conflicts in your life. Conflicts in the form of illness, conflicts in the form of legal matters, debt, or conflicts within your marriage or other relationships. Well, whatever mountain that you are facing in your life this morning, maybe, maybe it's time to speak to that mountain. Amen? Jesus opens up chapter 18 of Luke with an urgency, a declaration for all men to pray and not lose heart. To continue in prayer in spite of what the odds may look like that are against you. And to persevere and pray through the difficulties without giving up. So let's look at verse 1 of chapter 18. It says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. We all know that there is power in prayer. We all know the importance of prayer. And we know the priority is to be prayer. And if you've walked with the Lord any length of time, you understand that the number one priority in spiritual life is prayer. Therefore, we all agree that prayer is powerful. Prayer is important and prayer is essential. Amen. But the problem with prayer is that we lose heart in prayer. We grow weary in prayer. And we often give up on prayer. You see, Jesus spoke this parable that men ought always to pray and not lose heart, to encourage us to pray through the difficult seasons of our lives. Now, the phrase lose heart here in verse 1 means to become discouraged or, or despondent, to give up or, or quite literally faint and let's be honest we all get discouraged at times and that makes it easy to to give up and and quit praying but that's the contrast for us to remember this morning and that if we don't pray we will faint which means if we don't persevere by continuing in prayer we will fail And we will give up. But here is Jesus about to give us a story about a woman who did not faint, but persevered in her pursuit for justice. Let's look at the story, starting with verse 2, all the way through verse 8. Notice verse 2. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out to him day and night, though he bears long with them? I tell you, That he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless. When the son of man comes. Will he. Really. Find faith. Upon the earth. Here is this woman. Her case. Is trapped. In a court. In a a corrupt. Judicial system. Before the bench of a heartless judge. This woman had been wrong. She had a, a valid case. She was pleading for justice. She must have been defrauded or, or the victim of some kind of oppression. And her only recourse was to seek action on her own. And, there, and here Jesus points out that she was Relentless. She wasn't giving up. But let me set the stage for you. The courtroom in those days was, was not a building like we're familiar with today in our courts. The courtroom in those days was actually a, a tent. Kind of like a, an easy up tent. A kind of traveling judicial type system that was set up by Rome to help with all those legal matters. You see, these judges who were appointed by the Roman government would travel from city to city on a circuit, hearing and ruling over cases. And when they got to town, there wouldn't be much of a a notice that was given. So that meant their their dockets would, would fill up pretty quickly. So if you had a case that needed to be heard, you better act fast. And if you didn't get your case registered with the judge's assistant in time, then you would have to wait until the judge covered his entire circuit and came around again, which could take actually weeks and sometimes months. Unless, unless, there's always an unless, unless you were able to, greased the hands of the judge's assistant by uh, by paying a, a bribe, which happened quite frequently in those days. It was a common thing. You see, this was a very corrupt judicial system they ran. That's how they would make their extra money. And because it wasn't the Roman government that actually set the schedule, it was the individual judge that was appointed to that, uh, uh, to that providence that would, would actually set the agenda. And the judge would sit very dignified in his tent as he was surrounded by his assistants. And it was amazing because anybody could stand around and watch these proceedings take place. But only those who were approved and accepted That have their cases actually heard. So picture if you would. This woman standing on the outside of the tent. While the cases were were going on. Yelling at the judge in verse 3. As he no doubt was presiding over these cases. Get justice for me she would yell. Over and over again. But the judge would not for a while, because this judge did not believe in God, nor did he care about anyone but himself. Now, the fact that he didn't care about anyone is crucial for us to know this morning. You see, women in those days had very little rights, legally, socially, and politically. Unlike you gals that are out there this morning, women were considered second-class citizens. And to the Pharisees, to be born a woman was actually a curse. In fact, it was widely known that the Pharisees would, would pray daily, Thank you, God, that you didn't make me a Gentile, a woman, or a dog. Pretty crazy, huh? But you got to know that that was never the heart of God to make women second class citizens. Jesus protected women. He empowered women. He honored women publicly and he celebrated women by by name throughout the gospels. In fact, if you research countries and societies where the gospel is preached and accepted, you will find the status of women elevated because of Jesus. And you will find the acceptance and promotion of women's rights legally, socially, and politically due to the preaching and acceptance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? But the woman in our story, this story, had three things against her. First of all, she was a woman with no rights or legal standing. Secondly, she she was a widow, which means she had no husband, no man in her life to help her and assist her in any type of business matters. And thirdly, she was poor, which means she couldn't even pay a bribe if she wanted to. And even though the odds are stacked against her, this woman still continues to plea her case over and over again. Get justice for me. Vindicate me. She would yell daily, sometimes hourly. And verse 4 tells us that the judge ignored her. He ignored her for quite a while, talked over her. Which means this went on for some time. The more he dismissed her, the more she kept coming back. And the more persistent she grew. And the more he tried talking over her, the louder she was and all the more irritating she became to him. And as the days drew on, something, something happened. She started to wear on him slowly. Until finally one day he, he actually had a change of heart. Not because he repented. Not because he admitted that this widow had just cause and she needed to be heard. But because he grew tired of her coming at him over and over again. She was wearing him out. And in order for him to move on with his life, he had to look at things differently. So in the middle of verse 4, he said within himself and to himself, Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming, she wears me out. Now, the word continual is is an interesting word in that it translates in the Greek to mean to the end or endlessly. A common expression that meant forever. Which means he thought to himself, If I don't give her what she wants, she will forever keep coming after me. He believed that. So even though he was only looking out for his own self-interest, he decided to rule in her favor. Now, allow me to bring to your attention three reasons why I believe Jesus built this illustration around this widow. You see, her situation as a woman, as a poor widow woman, is the complete opposite or contrast with our situation, my situation, and your situation today. You see, the methods that she used for the mountains she faced is not to be compared with the methods we are called to use for the mountains we face. Okay? Listen very carefully. Number one. Number one, she went before a cold-hearted judge. Okay? We go before a loving, tender-hearted father. That's the big difference. Jesus blew the minds of everyone when he said, when you pray, say, our Father who is in heaven. You see, the mindset of the Jewish people was that God was so exalted, so transcendent, so holy, that you couldn't even say his name. In fact, when the scribes, the the recorders of the law, when they would come across the name of God, Yahweh, Jehovah, they would put their pen down. They would pause. Then they would go and wash their hands and and come back and, and pick up the pen and continue to record the rest of the scripture. Pretty amazing. But his name is holy. But not so transcendent for us to speak. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father, Daddy, Papa. The New Testament also tells us to cry out, Abba, Father. Number two, she had no lawyer, she was poor. She had no legal standing. She was a woman. She had no lawyer to plead her case. But 1 John chapter 2 says to you and to me that we have an advocate, a lawyer, an intercessor, pleading our case day and night. Amen? If any man sin. We have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, who gave himself to us and for us. Amen? Do you see the contrast now? Finally, thirdly, she went before a court of law. We come before the throne of grace. Wow, big difference. The court of law represents what? What? Cold, hard facts. What's the evidence? What's going on? We want to see it in paper. But the throne of grace represents what? Undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. And we don't even understand it. That's the beautiful thing about it. It's not because of what we do that we are saved. But it is in spite of what we have done. That's the key. For it is because of what he did that the throne of grace is even open for us. Amen. And the result, what is the result? Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 12, therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of grace, that we might obtain grace and mercy to help in times of need. Wow, what a beautiful scripture. You see, people, this parable is not a model for us, but more of a contrast to us. Her situation is really the opposite of your situation and my situation. That's why Jesus said in verse 6 and 7, Here, did you hear what the unjust judge said? And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out to him day and night? He said, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. This is amazing because this is what gives you and I boldness and confidence and the assurance that He hears us immediately. Now you and I can pray confidently and assuredly. Even though she didn't have a a, a relationship with the judge She still kept coming. And Jesus is saying, you have a relationship with the Father. That's the difference between her and us. The judge didn't know her. Didn't care about her. Didn't care about God. Didn't didn't believe in God. But Jesus cares about you. He knows you. So we come before a loving, tender-hearted father. That's the difference. She had to wear the judge down before he would answer her. We, you and I, will not wear on God if we keep seeking, asking, and knocking. But instead, you and I will rejoice in God because First John says that this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything, anything, listen very carefully, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Very important. That's the contrast. If this unjust judge that did not fear God, nor regard man, finally and reluctantly granted her appeal, how much more will your heavenly Father who loves you and waits for you and died for you hear your cry to Him? And comfort you and provide for you that ask of Him. Oh, He loves you so much. He cares so much. He waits so long. For she went before a cold-hearted judge. Unjust judge. But we come before a loving, tender-hearted Father. She had no Lord, but we have an advocate. Jesus Christ and she went before a court of law, but we stand before the throne of grace. And even with all those strikes against her, as a woman, as a widow, as a poor widow woman, she remained persistent in her asking and her seeking and her knocking. We, you and I, have the opposite in our favor. Yes, we need to per, to be persistent in our asking and our perseverance through prayer, but not for the same reasons like the widow. You see, she persevered because the judge wasn't listening. We persevere because God is listening and we are communicating with him daily and hourly. That's why Jesus encouraged us in Matthew chapter 7 by saying, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. And knock and the door will be opened unto you. In other words, keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. Keep communicating because the more that we communicate with God, the more we will think like God and be one with God. And that, my friends, is what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, but we understand these things because we have the mind of Christ. Wow, very important. So therefore, believe that God will move in your favor as you ask and as you seek and as you knock. Jesus said in John chapter 14, whoever believes in me, Will do greater works than me because I go to the Father. That's incredible. That's why we need to be persistent and consistent in prayer and not faint or give up on prayer. And this leads me to three exhortations about prayer for us to be strengthened. By this morning. Number one. It is not by your many words. Or eloquent speech. That God hears you. One more time. It is not by your many words. Or eloquent speech. That God hears you. If you're thinking this morning. I don't know how to pray. I I can't put the words together. Like I hear others do. Maybe you find it difficult just to get beyond a a, a single sentence in prayer. That's okay. Because it takes less work than you think. In fact, the Lord's Prayer, the model of prayer that Jesus himself instituted, only consisted of about 75 words. Jesus himself said in Matthew 6, When you pray... Don't pray like the heathens do, for they think by their many words that they will be heard. Hmm. Do you know God is so good to us that even when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit helps us in our weakness? The Spirit actually prays for us and behalf of us? Listen to what Romans chapter 8 verse 26 declares. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Wow, that is so powerful. Now he who searches the hearts, it goes on, Knows what the mind of the spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He does it all for us. Sometimes when you're laying in bed or you're just driving, you're just uh, you're just groaning. Those are prayers. Those are prayers that are going forth, and the Spirit is he, he's. Putting them together and he's sending them up to heaven. They mean something. So he helps us in our weaknesses. He does it all for us. All we have to be is just willing. Number two. It is not the position of your body that counts. It is the position, position of your heart that matters in prayer. One more time. It is not the position of your body that counts. It's the position of your heart that matters. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew 6, chapter chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, When you pray, go into your closet, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. Don't be like the Pharisees of Jesus' day. They they would make it a point to be seen by everyone as a spiritual person. Whenever Jesus would pray, he would always go off alone and be by himself. And it doesn't matter whether you pray standing, walking, driving, laying down, upside down, or all around. It doesn't matter. The position of the body is irrelevant. The pit, the position of the heart is vital. Amen. That's why Paul wrote in First Thessalonians chapter five, verse sixteen: "Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing." Number three. Prayer is not about obtaining your desires. Prayer is about obtaining God's will and direction for your life. James chapter 4 verse 3 declares, You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may consume it on your own pleasures. The whole purpose of prayer is that I would become one with God. By being submissive to the will and direction of God for my life. And we should never be presumptuous with the will of God. That's why James said, we ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. If it's God's will. We pray, and if it's your will, then thy will be done. Not Adam's will, not anybody else's will, but God's will be done. Prayer is powerful, prayer is important, and prayer is essential. So don't give up on prayer, and don't ever stop praying, because the Lord hears your every word and your every thought. And He also hears what is not spoken along with understanding that which is not explained. Remember, his love doesn't work on the lips or on the mind, but on the heart. He hears your heart. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, the Bible says. On January 2nd of this year, 13 million people were watching a Monday night football game that suddenly turned into a desperate prayer meeting. 24-year-old DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills collapsed in the first quarter of the game just like that. His heart stopped on the field. And while medics worked on this young man, the football world stopped and America started praying. You saw players from both teams huddled throughout the field on their knees praying to God for a healing. And even though there were millionaires on the field, off the field, they all knew that all their money, even combined together, could not fix Demar's heart. But praying to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords could because prayer does change things. And the prayers of a righteous man, the Bible says, avails much. Demar Hamlin in an interview after this incident happened said I thought my life was going in one direction but now God is taking me in a totally new direction. You know, something great was revealed that night. And that was that all the laws that America has instituted to keep prayer and God out of our land didn't matter at that moment. Nobody was worried about the Supreme Court, the FCC or the NFL, what they thought. They said, we need God now at this moment. I believe there is someone out there today, this morning, that are watching. That needs God at this moment. And even though you may be going in one direction Do you think that maybe God is trying to move you in a totally new direction? God's word for you is that whatever mountain you are facing this morning, whatever problems await you tomorrow, there's a God in heaven who hears your cry and wants to communicate with you. Wants to reach out to you. A God in heaven that has a purpose and direction for your life. If you just seek him. Jeremiah 29 verses 12 and 13 declares. Then you will call upon me. And go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Remember, it's not the size of your conflict that counts. It's the confidence you have in the God you serve that matters more. Remember that. Always remember that. That's why We ought always to pray and not faint. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord Jesus, to thank you for your grace and your love and your mercies. We thank you that you always make a way for us to communicate to you and with you. We pray for those who struggle with prayer, that you would lead them, direct them, And encourage them to always pray and not faint. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we want to give you that opportunity this morning. First, we'd like to share with you the simple ABCs. A. Admit that you are a sinner and that you need a Savior. B, believe that Jesus came and died for your sins and resurrected on the third day. And C, choose to follow Him by making Him Lord and Savior of your life. If that's your decision today, and you're out there, and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, Repeat with me this simple prayer of faith, accepting Jesus into your heart. Repeat with me this. Dear Jesus, please forgive me, Lord, for all of my sins. I confess to you that I am a sinner and that I need you as my Lord and Savior. Please come into my life. And fill me with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed that prayer this morning, welcome to the family of God. Welcome. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Secondly, please call our church office so that we can pray for you and and, and pray with you and help you find a good church that teaches the word of God. Now may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. And may he be gracious unto you and may he give you peace. God bless you. Thank you again for tuning in.